Hello and welcome to Gilead. My name is Soren Hotshire and I'm the communications and admin Haas here. We're proud to share with you our Pride and Other Virtues series, where we look at the things that were supposed to make us feel shameful about ourselves, now we're flipping them on their heads. We are learning and relearning to love ourselves, our bodies, the things that bring us joy, and everything in between. Here's sabbatical pastor, Mary Taylor. I, uh wrote a poem. I wrote a poem about finding love for myself, for my body, for me, in spite of everything screaming at me to hate it. Even though I grew up with the put everyone ahead of you, maybe you know it, the phrase etched on the heart from a young age, the one that mom started when she said, it's not, uh, it's not all about you. The one that actually started when the woman you saw was beautiful, degrade herself in the mirror. The one that started when you would compliment her singing and she'd say, oh no, I sound awful. And looking back, it's true, she did sound awful. <laughs> but young ears hear differently. They hear the beauty in the world. The wildflowers grow naturally. If you let your lawn go for too long, you'll get complaints from the neighbors, but if you let it go even longer, you'll find flowers. There are daisies growing in the cracks of my mom's ramp leading into the house. Some bird long before we built the ramp sacrificed their feed to feed our soil, daisies. Mom hates the ramp. It's a marker of a failure for her, but it's a marker of freedom for me, knowing that she can still see the flowers outside. Mom and grandma would talk for hours. And I would see the etchings of grandma's words make their way onto mom's heart. But they'd also talk about flowers. Mom taking notes on grandma's gardening tips, save the banana peels, save the eggshells. Here, here are some coffee grounds. How did you get your hydrangeas to be blue? We'd spend the summer at my grandparents' house. And I remember looking at my reflection getting changed into a swimsuit there. I was eight, maybe. And I was so excited because my abdomen had dents in it. Were these abs? No. Uh, but I ran to my mom, telling her with excitement what I'd found. No, she wasn't impressed. She always acted differently around others. Every new etch on the heart saying, no, this isn't beautiful. No, this isn't impressive. No, you're not enough. New bars within a prison within. I was going to say self-made, but the bars are industrial-grade steel made by words of others. And these words coming from cellmates who heard them before. And no, I know Paul was in a real prison. And no, I know Paul was writing the Philippians in this dark, dank cell and facing the real possibility and likelihood of his eventual execution. And yet, at the brink of that, he wrote, he were, uh, he wrote words that Christians use to etch harmful words on hearts. But in what reality was this man saying, never care about yourself? In what reality was this man saying, do harm to yourself? In what reality, in words, in deeds, do this? Always put everyone ahead of you. Treat them well and you unwell. No. 
Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility, think of others as better than yourselves instead of each person watching out for their own good. Watch out for what is better for others. What if we see this as community? What if Paul wrote with the urgency of saying, hey, 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 actually, y'all are really incredibly worthy and enough, and you should say that with your full chest. And you're actually so important that I need you to help others see that they're important too. When I was eight or nine, there was a show called Look Good Naked or something like that. It was all a queer eye. They'd have a hero who hated their reflection and eventually show by the end that they've always looked good naked. And you do too. And I do too. And they do too. And when we're kids, we're selfish little assholes. We want food now, and we don't care if it wakes up the parents. We want food immediately. Or we want a nap. Or damn it, if we just don't get pissed off because we're just uncomfy and gassy. All that translated to adulty speak is now called selfish or self-care, which is not selfish. The first marker of love is the love we show ourselves. We don't have words for it at that age, but we never needed it because it's all we knew, because self-love is so inherent to us. I love when people look at their reflection in store windows or at the gym. Uh, one Sunday, just a couple of Sundays ago, like tr tr truly, actually, on my way here, I saw a dude stop in front of a store window, dead ass flex, <laughs> and move on with his day. And honestly, what a sleigh. Like, yes, you worked really hard for those muscles and, and, and for what? To not flex in front of a store window on a crowded sidewalk? Not on my watch. When we know how to love ourselves, we know how to love others. And RuPaul was right when he said, and RuPaul was right and we should listen. And if you can't love yourself, how can you love someone else? Mom's days are filled with her hateful self-talk. And I remind her that she's loved and that if the roles were reversed, she'd hate the way I spoke to myself. She can't learn new ways to self-talk. This isn't a can't teach old dogs new tricks thing. This is just she genuinely can't take in new information anymore. So she relies on how she's spoken to herself and thought of herself her whole life. The etches marked by repetition, by turning, away, uh, by turning away when she looks in the mirror. But damn, did she know how to cultivate a community in her prime. And Paul would have loved that. But to flog the soul so much that the only reality it knows is self-hate is not the point. If God wanted, to hate, wanted me to hate myself, why do I have air in my lungs to breathe? If God wanted me to hate myself, why do the wildflowers grow in unkept garden? They're so damn beautiful. If God wanted me to hate myself, why do I have these green hazel eyes that remind me of summertime rain and wishful thinking and rolling down prairie hills? It's selfish not to love yourself, actually. 
Because if you can't love yourself, how will you know what others need? How will you know how to look out for others too? To check in with yourself and knowing your checkpoints. Then to know and understand that if you're feeling these things, others probably are too. That's cultivating a community, Paul. Showing up for yourself so that you can show up for others. When the lilacs grow in May, they stand and grow together, but just for a short while. My across-the-street neighbor comes by and sneaks a, stiff, sneaks a sniff when she walks to her sister's house. Each flower doesn't have those hateful words to themselves. They take, take, take in nutrients given to them, and they grow. And even when the flowers perish, the leaves grow, and they blow in the wind saying, yeah, we're here, and we're beautiful, and they are. Dancing their dance and singing with the wind, and sure, I don't know gardening very well. And sure, mom and grandma were the gardeners. But Paul told the Philippians to be the cultivators, but not through self-hate, through self-love. Which reminds me of this poem I wrote, a poem I wrote about finding love for myself, for my body, for me. Thank you. <laughs> 